0: Thought it would be very useful for you to save you time that you can leverage to go through some productivity systems i've built over the last 10 years to get more done in less time and i want to put as many in this maybe i might even do 30 minutes here so as many as i can in the short time that i've got i've done a little agenda for you so we've got vvkik we've got compartmentalizing your diary isolation lmd model 4Ds model leveraging VAs, how to say no, your energy highs and lows and ebbs and flows, uh, doing a work log and measuring your income generating value. So bit of a challenge as many as I can in the next 30 minutes, let's go. So I get asked a lot, how do I know what to do? You know, what's a priority and what's not a priority? I've got lots of things on, I'm frustrated, I'm overwhelmed, I've got too many things to do, haven't got enough time. Well, I've built a five-step model which you do in the order from top down, which gives you spontaneous clarity around the right thing to do, when to do it, what not to do. And the model is taken from my book Life Leverage. Hi, Andy. Thanks for saying hi. And on page 99 to 123, the system that I built is called VVKIK. So the vision, values, vision, vision, values. I can't even speak. I've got three world records for speaking and I can't even speak. I've been told to slow down. All right, so vision, values, key result areas, income generating tasks and KPIs. So for you to be clear, crystal clear, spontaneously clear of what to do, when to do it, know that you're doing the right thing that it's going to build your wealth, it's going to liberate your time. You need a clear vision. What's the vision for your life? Now, Rose Kennedy's was to raise her children to be world leaders. Mine is to create global financial freedom through education and helping people learn to make more money, therefore make more money, across the globe. And um, Bill Gates was a personal computer in everyone's home for Microsoft. So what is your vision? Now, I just want to encourage you, push you a little bit gently and elegantly to say that you've got one. It doesn't have to be global. It doesn't have to be like Elon Musk, where we're trying to colonize, 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 (laughs) I'm doing some Freudian slips here on this one, colonize Mars. Everyone has a unique purpose and place. If you don't live on purpose, you'll live to someone else's purpose. If you don't live, have a vision, you'll be serving someone else's vision. So, what is your vision? It might start personally with I want to get out of debt. It might move to a little bit more familial, like I want to make money for me and, my, and raise my family. It might move to local, you know, I want to help my community. It might move to county or national, I want to create wealth or, or, or some kind of vision. If you're a musician, you know, you play gigs across the You know, the country, and then it might go to intercontinental, global, and ultimately intergalactic. The bigger your vision is, the bigger the tasks that you'll take on, and those won't be operational and tactical, they'll be strategic and visionary. and And you'll create more wealth, and you'll probably enjoy what you do more because you're merging your passion with profession and doing what you love and loving what you do. So, you know, you're less of a sort of task junkie or monkey. Values is the next V. So what's most important to you in your life? If you know clearly, now we all know unconsciously, just look around you. What do you do? Who do you spend your time with? What possessions do you accumulate? You know, what, what websites do you frequent? What do you do in your free time? You know, what do you enjoy reading and doing that isn't work? You know, your life will tell you what's, what you're doing because, sorry, what, what's most important to you. And you'll do what's most important to you subconsciously and spontaneously. But if you get clear on that and ask yourself, what's most important to me in my life? What's most important to me in my life? What's most important to me in my life? Write down a list. You might have seven things, nine things, five things. Get to the point where what you're putting on your list doesn't really seem that important to you anymore. You've probably hit the, the bottom. You've got a list of what's most important to you in your life. Now, if any task comes in that someone else wants you to do, that someone, someone's urgency or importance or, you know, fire, they're, they're trying to put onto you to get you to help. When you're clear on your values, if they align with your values, you'll do them and they'll be right for you to do. If they don't align with your values, you'll be able to politely say, no, that's not right for you. And you can either delegate it, defer it or delete it. Okay, so you're clear on your vision, you're clear on your values. Now your key result areas. So your key result areas are your three, five, seven, maybe areas where you move the needle the most towards your vision and values. The areas that have the highest value of time and money... Tasks, strategies, functions, operations, which will drive you the quickest towards your vision. They are the things that you can do that will make the biggest difference in your enterprise. My computer's crashed with the list of all of my notes. So uh, let's test my memory on how good they are. Now, your key result areas, you should have them for yourself as well as your team. If you've got staff, you should give them key result areas so that, you know, if your team members, staff members, people that you're delegating to you know, PAs, VAs, etc. If they're overwhelmed, if they don't know what to do, they probably haven't got clear priorities. If they have key result areas in their job descriptions, you can always say to them, hey, if you're overwhelmed, confused, get your job description out, look at your key result areas. If it's on there, do it. If it's not, don't. And you can give them the autonomy to make that decision for you, knowing that they're not going to damage your enterprise. Those key result areas, what you hired them for, it's the job they wanted, so they're probably going to spontaneously enjoy to do those Anyway, and that helps you naturally order and prioritise, you know, the millions of things that come into your inbox and all the opportunities that you've got that you're not sure if you should do or not. All right. Then from your key result areas, your income generating tasks, your IGTs, what task can you perform that has the maximum revenue generation? Now, sometimes a key result area and an income generating task are the same task. Sometimes a key result area, however, is a non-income generating task, strategy, vision, plan. And that might take priority over an income generating task. Or, you know, if you need a lot of money and you're a bit skint, then your income generating task may take precedent over your key result area. Lots of people logging in now. So hi, Maureen. Hi, John. Hi, everyone. Good to have you logging in live. And then finally, your KPIs, your key performance indicators, the metrics, which are the feedback loop to go back to the top. So... How do you know from um, actual metrics and analytics that what you're doing is moving you towards where you want to go? Well, you have to measure it. So what is your hourly rate? If you, if you measure your hourly rate every six months, which is the amount of hours you work divided by... Sorry, the amount of money you earn divided by the amount of... Blah, I'll start that again. Take the income that you earn... Divide it by the hours that you work and you get your hourly rate. (laughs) We all have a natural hourly rate, you know. So some people are working 80 hours a week on a 30 grand salary and they're earning less than they would in McDonald's. Other people are uh, working 10 hours a week and making £5,000 an hour. So every six months, if you work out how many hours you work, how much money you bring in to your business or you bring in for yourself personally... If you're measuring that every six months and it's going up that's a key performance indicator tell you you're going in the right direction if it's going down it means you're working harder but you're not moving the needle for revenue or your strategy or your vision another other key performance indicators might be lifetime client value of your clients it might be maximum acquisition cost of your clients it might be revenue per database member for your database revenue per head for people that come to your events all of these metrics which feed you back of course it could be gross profit and net profit it could be Cost of sales. It could be, it could be looking at your, some of the metrics in your management accounts. It could be your balance sheet. It could be your net worth statement. So let me just summarise that because that's the most important one by far. And that's page 99 to 123 in Life Leverage. If you want a lot more detail, how we're doing for time, we're doing good. We're a third of the way in. So how do you become hyper productive and get rid of all the menial tasks? What you do is you create a clear vision. Everyone has one. You just have to find yours. You work out your five to ten highest values, the things that are most important to you in your life. You create your three to seven key result areas that will move the needle the most at your best invested time towards delivering your vision and living your values. You check that your tasks are high income generating and you measure your income generation every six months to make sure that it's part of your KPIs that take you in the direction you know, you've got a, a feedback loop to know you're going in the right direction. And of course, if those KPIs are going down or the wrong way, then you then can go back and look and uh, tweak your vision, values, key result areas and income generating tasks. All right, great. So compartmentalizing your time is the next productivity hyper hack, whatever you want to call it. Now, what a lot of people do, they're leveraging, but they're, they're, net, they're, they're multitasking and they think they're leveraging, but actually they're just doing two things really badly like I have two or three times here trying to do a live feed and an audio and check my notes and I blurred a couple of times so there's a massive difference between leveraging and multitasking and multitasking most of the time and it's is what I'm about to tell you is like the worst way to be productive so counterintuitively for what a lot of people are trying to do the best way to be productive is to compartmentalize your time and in that compartment of time that 23 minutes, if you're using the Pomodoro technique or that half an hour or hour or two hours or whatever, shouldn't really be more than two hours because you'll need a break. You literally compartmentalize that time to do the one thing that's going to move the needle to use the corporate language. You know, your key result area, your highest income generating task. And that might be six in the morning to eight in the morning. It might be 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. But what you want to do is compartmentalize your time in your day, your week, your month, your year, your decade and your lifetime with recurring diary entries so that you're only doing that task in that time and the most important tasks are put... For years, people have been asking me where I buy my watches. Many of you may know I'm a watch collector, I'm a watch investor, and those as an asset class have done me very well in the last 15 years. I have never shared where I source my watches from or my watch dealer until now. My watch dealer used to be a professional footballer for Manchester United... Is sales at broadwalkgroup.com. And please don't share this, but his number is 07496 878 153. Obviously, only message him if you're serious about buying and investing in the higher-end watches. People have been asking me for years, and for the first time ever, you can get access to my watch team. ...in first, and then the second most important task i put in second... And they have a small amount of time. And then all of the admin and the least important tasks that have little or no income generating value, they fit around that. And that reminds me of quite a famous story, myth, story, fact. I actually don't really know what it is, but I'll use it for the purpose that I think will really help you the most. So there was a school teacher that was talking about time, priority of time. And he had a jar and he put pebbles in to illustrate you know how much time we have to fill space and he asked his students you know is the jar full and they said yes and then he brought out some smaller stones and he was able to fit smaller stones in the jar and he asked the same question is the jar full and they said yes and then of course you can put out gravel and put even smaller stones and that fills around the bigger pebbles and the smaller stones And then you could ask the same question, is that jar full? And you could say yes, and then you could get sand, and you could put sand in and sand could fill in between the gravel, the gravel, which is in between the small stones, which is in between the big stones. Then you could ask the same question, is that jar full? And you could say yes, and then you could put water in. And water will organise itself around the gravel, which organises itself around the small stones, the big stones and the pebbles. That's exactly how you should plan your day, your week, your month, your year, your life. You compartmentalise your time with your key result areas, your income generating tasks with the most amount of time that is evergreen in your diary, which means you press some kind of recurring button on Outlook or on iCal, which means you put this, you know, strategy and vision, for example, and you put it in Monday, Wednesday and Friday, 6am till 7.30am every Monday, Wednesday and Friday and you recur it forever. And that's your pebble. And then another income generating task, if you're a property investor, might be to do 10 viewings. And that will be one of your bigger stones. And you'll put that in maybe at 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. So, you know, the one hour, 11 till 12. And then admin should be the water and the sand. So this is really important. You should set time to prioritize actually clearing your diary to nothing. Every every sort of year, you should go through your entire diary, look to clear it completely, and then build the compartmentalized time from pebbles all the way through to water and you should merge this with your ebbs and flows and highs and lows of energy. And so the next is, let me park this and move to the next thing and the next thing. Stay with me, though, because I'm opening these threads that will take me back to close the loop. So if you've got if you're doing your vision, which is one of your highest key result areas and you're doing it at four o'clock in the afternoon when you're the furthest point away from your coffee, or nine o'clock at night because you're doing all your tasks in the day and you're absolutely knackered then that is ass about face it's totally the wrong way of doing it because you're not going to be enthused inspired and energized so what you want to do is you want to match almost like you overlay you want to match your compartmentalized pebbles of your diary with your highest part ebb of energy in the day so like You know, like a year has seasons, your day has seasons and you'll have spring, summer, autumn and winter in your day. So, you know, maybe some of you, when you get up, you're like completely for an hour until you've had a coffee like I am. So the first half an hour, you might be a bit, you've had your coffee and from six till eight thirty, you might be totally on fire. And that's usually how I am. Eight to eight thirty, you might start coming off. You might have a little dip at eleven before you have your lunch. If you you know you you might sort of have your lunch at 12 if you eat a lot of carbs you might sort of at 1:32 2:33 have your low you might have an energy spike at 3 or 4 you, know, you might hit the gym at 6 and have a testosterone or an endorphin rush at 7 and 8 o'clock i know some creatives who work really well sort of 8 9 10 11 p.m. some 11 12 1 2 p.m. 2 a.m. So I'm actually not telling you that a part of the day is right or wrong. A lot of people have been giving advice like you've got to go to bed at this time. You've got to get up at this time. High achievers go to bed at this time. They get up at this time. This is when you should do your work. All of them rise early. That's actually not true. Everybody is different. And I, I, mine has changed as well because when I was an artist, I used to work late and long. And then I used to get up late. And now I get up 530 But come sort of 6, 6.30, they might have capacity to do. I can do work, but it's just not really that great. And I'm not really inspired. And, you know, if I'm going to put anything in that time, it should be the gravel and the water. It should be admin around important tasks, replying to some non-urgent emails, etc. All right. So let's just go back to what we've covered is compartmentalizing your diary. But um, putting the most important things in with your highs and lows in the day. If you don't know what your highs and lows and ebbs and flows are in the day yet, because you can 5x or 10x, to use the Americanisms, your productivity if you've got a high income generating high key result area task overlaid in the time when you've got really high energy and you're inspired and enthused. By the same result, you could diminish your productivity by a factor of 10 if you've put something in at the wrong time of day when you're absolutely like lethargic and it's not of high priority. So these things really do make a huge difference. Hence why I've called this Hyper Productivity Hacks, this video. Just want to say hi to Daniel, John and everyone else that's just tuned in. All right, so if you don't know what those cycles are in your day yet, you need to um, measure it. So you need to keep an energy log for about a week and just log every hour. You know, when you feel the best and when you feel the worst, you need to probably do some bit of testing. Go to sleep an hour earlier, go to sleep an hour later, get up an hour earlier, get up an hour hour later, test seven hours, eight hours, nine hours sleep. You know, you want to sort of do a bit of what they call biohacking or self-hacking where you're measuring for about a week. I commit you to do this, encourage you to do this and work out exactly when they are now. Just to, to tell you what mine are, just so you know, just so that you can really track it. 5.30 5.30 to 6, kind of blah, 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 blah but it's all right because I'm, I'm putting audio in my ears at that time, getting into the subconscious mind. Have the Costa Coffee, 6 till 8. All my high-key result area tasks are there. I can get to 8 o'clock and have done 90% of the work for the day, although I don't call work work because it's not work work. It's not work work, it's kind of fun work. 8 till 9, I'll put calls in because I'm still in good flow, but uh, you, you know, I, I, I'm not like I don't necessarily need to be on my highest high at that point, so I'll, put, I'll book my calls in, 8 till 9. Never take calls at any other time in the day, no matter who calls. If God's ringing, he has to wait and book in an appointment from 8 till 9. If Arnold Schwarzenegger's ringing at 9.01, then he has to book with my PA to get back in 8 till 9. And that's not to be arrogant or go, I'm more important than us, I'm not. It's just that if I take calls all day, every day, then I have no pebbles and I have no strategic compartmentalised time and in the end, I'm just, I'm just following everyone else's emergency. Now, if I teach people that I answer the phone all the time, then they'll phone me all the time. But if they know I only answer the phone eight till nine, they'll only phone me eight till nine. So nine till half 10, I might do meetings. And then pretty much the day is done for me in terms of work work. But 10.30 till 12 is a bit of a dip in the day for me. So I might do some emails or some kind of stuff that doesn't rely on me being hyper on it or productive. Uh, I'll have a coffee, my second coffee at 12 and then I'm on it for about three hours. At the moment, I'm writing a lot from 12 till 3. I often do a lot of these videos at this sort of time because I'm writing my book at the moment. And then come 3.30, 4, I'll dip. When I'm in my lowest energy level, I don't necessarily want to be out playing golf with Bobby or doing meetings with really important JV partners or millionaires or billionaires. So in that, in that dip, sort of 4.30 to 6 before dinner, generally just spend time kind of, you know doing things on my own, whatever they might be, and then you know you have dinner and then I get another little hour's boost. I might do a workout then or I might do a workout at eight o'clock uh, in the morning while I'm doing my calls and then seven o'clock wind down and I'll watch biographies, wealth biographies, I'll watch documentaries etc uh, you know and like it's taken it took me about seven years to actually work out you know, that, the seasons in my day and plan the day around that and line up the blueprints so that they perfectly fit. Because I was always listening to everyone else getting their advice and being pulled left and right about getting up early and getting late and feeling a lot of guilt that I wasn't performing like the high achievers. So hopefully that's useful to you. The next thing then you want to do in terms of your own personal life hacking and, um, you know, I know it's an American word, hacking. I just can't think of a better word for it in this particular instance. That is to keep a log, log of the work that you do. So... For about the next two weeks, just monitor every 15 minutes to one hour, depending on how much you task jump, what you did in that compartment of time. So if you're a a 6am to 6pm person, then from 6am to 6pm, every 15 minutes to an hour, just write on a Word document or put in a spreadsheet, just, you know, really, really brief what you did. Be really honest with yourself. If you pissed around on Facebook, if you scrolled for 15 minutes, if you did emails that really weren't very important or whatever, or you, you, know, you got distracted or went and did some research that isn't research, then put it down. And um, you've got like a triplicate of blueprints that merge here. You've got your compartmentalised time and your key result areas. You've got your seasons in the day, your ebbs and flows, highs and lows of energy And then you've got your income generating time and non-income generating time from your work log. And then when you put those all together, your productivity might go 30 times, hence the word hyper. So it will be a revelation to you. When I did this for the first time, Perry Marshall taught me to do this. It was one of my mentors back then in 2007. And he told me to do this and I did this for a month. And I I probably averaged every sort of 20 minutes, 30 minutes, just making a little note of what I did and not did. And I was really honest. And um, I, I showed it to him and he red penned it completely. He was like, well, that's not income generating. That's not income generating. That's, so that should be outsourced. That should be delegated. That should be de- deferred. That should be deleted. Why are you doing that? That's really good. You need to be doing more of that. If you did five times more of that, you'd get 500% more return. And it was a real eye opener to me to actually see it there in front of me. Because sometimes un- until you see your vision and values, until you see what you're actually doing in all day, every day, because who's the easiest person to lie to? That's right, you're the easiest person to lie to. So you can end up deluding yourself or just have blind spots and not really realizing what you're spending all of your time doing. All right, so next thing on my list is the four Ds model. So the four Ds model for any task or function is you either do it, delegate it, defer it or delete it. And you should only be doing the absolutely highest key result area or income generating tasks. Because if you're doing anything that's of low financial value, what you are doing is reducing your hourly value. Let's say you're worth £50 an hour and you're doing a £10 an hour task to save paying £10 an hour, but you're actually worth £50 an hour. You've just cost yourself £40 an hour to do it yourself. So there's an opportunity cost of the low value tasks that you're doing that cost you net... Minus £40. Pounds. Now, because of 80-20 principle, if you're worth £50 pounds an hour, you're actually worth £200 pounds an hour for 20% of your time and £10 pounds an hour for 80% of your time. So there's like a 16 times factor in 80-20 principle. So if, if any time you spend below your hourly rate could be a 16 times reduction in revenue productivity... You know, for example, if you did like 20 viewings, which is a 50 pound an hour task, you're going to offer on three, and you might get two done, and the two properties out of those 20 viewings. Well, that might be a 90-10, not an 80-20 rule. But you had to do all those other viewings to get those two properties that might make you 200 pound a month for the rest of your life in income, and it might make you 20-30 grand equity on purchase, and it might make you 8% growth a year. So when you put 80-20 thinking over income generating value and you follow the four D's model of do I do it? I only do it if it's high key result area or income generation. Do I delegate it? I delegate it if it's worth doing, but not worth my time doing. I defer it if it might be worth doing, but it's not worth doing now and not worth delegating. So I'll come back to it another time when it might be more of a priority then because I've got other priorities or I delete it, which means it's not worth doing. So that's something useful perhaps for you to remember. The next thing is saying no. So most people are saying yes too much, or at least they're not saying no enough. So anytime you don't say no, you keep an open loop, which means that people who are putting opportunities your way that aren't right for you. They'll keep coming to you. Things that you don't want to attract into your life. If you don't properly say no and close the loop, they'll keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And this can be from how people treat you and abuse you and how people treat you on forums, you know, and and, and how you are in legal situations. If you don't firmly say no and close the door on the open doors that don't serve you and drain you, you only have yourself to blame. Now, of course, converse is true, because if you say yes to the most, sorry, if you say no to the most amazing opportunities and don't keep those doors open, you don't get opportunities. So you have to be cognizant enough, aware enough of your vision and values to know what to say yes and no to. And a lot of people are saying, well, they're basically saying yes to everything and getting overwhelmed and spinning too many plates. Some people are saying no to good opportunities too because they're being too closed minded So be clear on your vision and values. That way you'll spontaneously know what to say yes and no to. And then you have to say yes with volition and no with volition. So thank you, but no. Thank you, but no, I don't have the bandwidth right now. This is not an area of my focus right now. Please could you contact me in three to six months? Now I encourage everyone in the community who are engaged with progressive and unlimited success and have done our courses and are being mentored to bring me joint venture proposals. And I say yes a lot, but right now I'm writing my book. I'm 650 pages in and I can't see the end. And I have to make that the priority and the focus because if I don't, it doesn't get done. And I love doing it and it's a high high key result area. And I've had quite a lot of opportunities come my way and I've had to say, right now I'm writing my book so I can't make time for this. Please keep me in mind and get in touch with me in three months. Now, notice I didn't fob them off and say I haven't got time because that's bullshit. I have got time for what's most important to me at that time. And at this time, the book has to be the most important thing. So, you know, don't lie to people, don't bullshit people, don't fob people off because they'll know. or, Or, you know, don't keep the door open when it's not fair to keep the door open. So be honest and say why. At the moment, I'm focusing on this over this. Please contact me in three months. Now, if you start saying no to the right things, they'll stop coming to you. And then when they stop coming to you, you won't be overwhelmed and confused, frustrated, you know, pissed off at the whole world because you've got too many things on that you can't do. You've got an ever-growing to-do list. Because remember, you, you know, you, you got what you asked for in everything that you're doing and everything on your list is something you allowed into your life. Now, you can say no very politely. It, it can be yes, but not now. It can be, thank you very much for thinking of me. I'm really grateful that you'd want to work with me. I'm focusing on my book right now. Please, can you just recontact me again in three to six months, where you know I'll probably be in a better space, and would look forward to maybe working with you then. You know, it could be great, because you know what, there was a time when I got no opportunities, when no one wanted to offer me anything, and I'd have, you know, I'd have been there at the opening of a door. So you know, you don't want to be rude or dismissive about opportunities. What a lot of people do is go, yeah, 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 yeah. Or they don't know how to say no. And in the end, they get so overwhelmed. They go, and they spit and say, to absolutely everything. And then they repel everyone that, you know, could have been good partners or lenders or joint venture team members. So don't get yourself to that point where you bottle it all up and spaz out, which we've all done. All right, then. So finally, I've saved the best model for last, I believe, which is um, my LMD model, L first, M second, D last. And that is, if any task comes onto your desk, instead of thinking, I've got to do it, I can't do it, I need to make time to do it, oh man, another task, I'm overwhelmed, think, who can I get to do it? So let's simplify the language. What most people, 95% of people who are serving someone else's vision, employed, working, making someone else rich, what they will think is, How do I do it? What you need to think is, who can I get to do it? It's a very small change in language, which is the external manifestation of a huge change in just your thought process. Instead of thinking, I've got to do this, how can I do this? You think, who can I get to do this? As soon as you start, keep asking, who can I get to do this? Who can I get to do this? You find opportunities through VAs, PAs, people on Facebook, partners, team members, staff, outsourcers, You know people on fiverr.com upwork blah 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 so anything that comes in the first thing you want to think is leverage l first l1 leverage first who can i get to do this now let's say you've got a a, a task list of 11 things to do in a day random number at least three maybe four or five of them they could be leveraged so you've already halved your to-do list within 20 minutes of your day job done but it's not job done it's job started Because the second thing in the LMD model, L first, M second, D last, is the managing of the leverage. So let's say you're a week into um, practicing this model and you're leveraging 30 to 50 percent of your tasks on your task list. They'll need to be managed. Now, if they're really quick tasks, just diary reminders and chasers are needed for VAs if they're a little bit more complex and take more skill and time and personnel, you might need to have a training and development program. You might need to spend a few hours a week as one of your pebbles or one of your stones in the the jar analogy of your time. So the M stands for manage and it's managing the leverage. So five of your 11 tasks are being leveraged. You'll need to manage some of them to completion. Now, managing is also a leveraged task. Because when you manage people well for those first few weeks or months and they become autonomous and self-sustaining, you don't have to manage them anymore and you can just leverage straight out and the task comes back. So actually, if you use the manage time well, it becomes a leverage time. If you wipe their ass, babysit them, micromanage them and don't trust them, that manage task ends up becoming a do task, but it's worse because you're delegating something and you're having to do it better or do it for them because they're not doing it right. And what most people do is experience that and they blame the other person for it when, it's, when in fact, you, know, you can't blame a, a workman for their tools, as they say. And then the D, last, is do last. So leverage first, manage second, do last. So you might have leveraged five tasks. You might have another three on your list of 11 that, you, that are currently in management that you've got to you know, work through. You might even take your to-do list and, compa- and um, section it three. And you might have leveraged tasks, manage tasks, do tasks. So these are the things that you're leveraging. And by the way, the bigger that they get, the more money you'll make and the more time you'll preserve and um, liberate for yourself and the bigger you'll grow. You might have half manage because half of these leverage needs management and training and half of them are being done by good people you've already got. And you might have just three or four do's and the three or four do's are the key result areas, the income generating tasks, the move the needle tasks now what happens when you know you're a task junkie monkey when you're an employee when you're at the bottom of the food chain when you feel overwhelmed out of control you know all the feelings you felt is you have to, to do as long as that a couple of things are managed and nothing being leveraged so you're literally inversing your leverage manage do task list and then the so so then immediately your 11 tasks have gone down to three tasks and those three tasks are the highest key resort areas the vision the value the training of the trainers the working on my mission the you know the um building my team the creating the culture the meeting the 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 really influential and instrumental people across the world the 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 millionaires the billionaires the deca millionaires the deca billionaires the you know the people with the biggest visions that I want in my network the building of my network they might be your leverage tasks which you're never going to outsource and then all this time left is passion profession vocation vacation merge golf with your five-year-old best golfer in the world son daughter playing your instruments you know whatever you want to do that you live to do that you know that you love to do all right great so let's just summarize what we covered if you are just tuned in a bit late because a lot of you tuning in late we co- so this was hyper productivity systems and hacks and we covered vision values key result areas income generating tasks and key performance indicators. If you want more detail and depth on that, make sure you get my book on audio or Amazon. Life leverage, page 99 to 123. Go straight into that book, that chapter. Compartmentalizing your diary and filling it with the most important key result areas: the are pebbles to the stones to the gravel to the sand to the water. The water being the admin and everyone else's emergencies and the, the unimportant emails, etc. Isolating yourself away from distractions, not multitasking with important tasks. You only multitask with audio when you're in the gym, you know, learning while learning, And so be very aware of what you multitask and then the difference between multitasking and net timing and leveraging. We covered the four D's, do, delegate, defer or delete. We covered um, outsourcing, we covered how to say, what to say yes to, what to say no to, and how to say no politely. Your energy highs and lows and ebbs and flows, your work logs, and your income generating value. It's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. This is Rob Moore, the Disruptive Entrepreneur. Please do share this video with as many people as you feel might get benefit from it. I'm not asking for anything other than um, I want to help more people you know, create more time in their life, to create more money in their life, to serve more people, you know, and grow their um, passion and profession. Thank you very much. If you don't risk anything, you risk everything.